0: From Washington, I'm David Schultz, and this is Talking Tax. More than half of the country's state legislatures are in session right now, and one of the hot tax topics that's up for discussion is the idea of worldwide combined reporting. Currently, states' taxing authorities don't extend beyond the borders of the United States, a concept known as Water's Edge, Mandatory worldwide combined reporting would require multi state, or for that matter, multinational businesses, to calculate their state taxes based on global income that's attributable to that particular state. It's a controversial idea, to be sure, and it hasn't even caught on in strongly democratic states. Today, we'll be hearing from two state legislators from those types of states about what worldwide combined reporting is, why it could prevent the problem known as tax leakage and whether any state will be able to actually enact it. Aisha Gomez is a Democratic state legislator in Minnesota who represents part of the Twin Cities metro region, and Emily Kornheiser is a Democrat from Vermont who represents West Brattleboro. They spoke with Bloomberg Tax and Accounting correspondent Michael Bologna, and Kornheiser started off by talking about the role of the corporate tax in Vermont's overall fiscal health.
1: The majority of revenue going into our general fund, which covers most state government functioning, is absolutely an income tax. It's a fairly progressive income tax structure by all sort of national standards. We pay for education with a combination of property tax and a few other revenue sources. And the corporate tax does supplement the general fund. It is definitely not one of the major contributors to the general fund. That is definitely a progressive income tax, but it, you know, it's a significant percentage. Historically, it was really just a few corporations that were paying it. So it was a quite unstable revenue source. Since we did significant corporate reform a few years ago and switched to a single sales factor and put in place a lot more combined reporting tools, we are now collecting corporate tax from a much, much wider swath of payers, and it's become a slightly more stable source.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. And w- what's the story in Minnesota then?
3: Yep. Kind of a similar deal, I think. We also have combined reporting, single um, factor apportionment. We have you know, relatively high rate, which is 9.8%. I think we're second highest in the country, but there's a kind of a handful of states that we're all kind of in this within a percentage of each other or so. We have a little a thing called the corporate minimum fee, which includes property, payroll and sales, unlike our apportionment, which changed relatively recently. I mean, I think that's been a trend across the country. And, you know, as Emily was saying, you know, it's a much less stable source of revenue than our income tax. It's also comprises around 10 percent, maybe something like seven or eight percent of the overall, you know, general fund revenues that that the state collects. But, you know, it's it's a it's an important but not like a foundational part of our revenue picture.
2: Are you either of you concerned about your state not collecting all of the taxes legitimately due under the corporate tax code? And, and if so, uh, what factors sort of contribute to the tax leakage that you're maybe suspicious of?
1: I think for decades, multinational corporations and national corporations have done everything they can, especially at the national level, to structure corporations in order to hide as much revenue as possible. And, you know, they're doing what they do. And I see it as my responsibility to do what I do to make sure that I'm closing as many loopholes as possible as they're found to make sure that everyone's paying their fair share, especially in these last few years where we've really seen a combination of, you know, corporate price gouging, inflation and massive corporate profits. I want to make sure that Vermonters are getting their needs met in the midst of all that
2: and and what about minnesota's perspective
3: yeah absolutely i mean i think that emily just covered it really well like the largest corporations in the world are able through legal tax avoidance strategies that they have created it, it over decades and gotten baked into the law with lobbying and like a lot of money spent to avoid paying what they owe
2: now both your states have to observe a water's edge reporting limitation right Do you both have a sense that a worldwide combined reporting system would allow for a more accurate depiction or calculation of what the taxpayers' obligations would be in your state?
1: Absolutely, yes. I think, you know, especially since we moved to a single sales factor, the scale of the corporations that are reporting now in vermont and could have taxes due or making sales into vermont are multinational corporations with global subsidiaries and so everything we can do to get the full picture of that corporation's activities so that revenue and profits are not siphoned off somewhere else outside of the u.s to be you know hidden from folks across the country who really deserve to have their needs met with whatever that tax base would be so absolutely i think we do
3: when we did a revenue estimate for this, it's—I I mean, it's $750 million over two years. And, you know, our ability to assess, you know, the value of some of this revenue that's being hidden overseas is limited. And so the scale of it could be even more than that. But, I mean, you're talking about billions and billions of dollars that is owed to the people of our country and the people of our states in a way.
2: Representative Gomez, why, why don't you tell us a little bit about what happened in Minnesota this past year? Because you really came close to almost enacting uh, this this change in your tax code.
3: Yeah. So um, we passed a uh, worldwide combined reporting policy this year, and we have done that. So we've we've been under divided government for the last four years. And so the house, the democratically controlled house, has passed worldwide combined reporting two other times in the last 4 years and um you know the reason that we took that approach is because we think it, to your point i mean it gives a more complete picture of What the actual you know economic activity is that should be taxed and honestly like nobody paid any attention until the senate also put it in their bill our revenue estimate was attacked by the tax foundation and then the wall street journal editorial board picked up on the tax foundation and wrote this op-ed in like you know the sunday paper which was an interesting experience for us yeah so then you know it was sort of like these forces uh kind of started to mobilize once they saw that this was a serious threat you know it died a it died a, a sad and tragic death and you know i don't think we were exactly ready for that level of of uh blowback but it's been a good experience and i'm really proud that our legislators at least like we're willing to vote for it and put it forward. I think it's the right policy and, you know, look forward to continuing to work on it.
2: But you you didn't really sort of give up on this idea of, of taxing global income, right? You, you substituted. Why don't you talk about that?
3: Yeah, we did. Uh, instead of doing worldwide combined reporting, we joined a number of other states in conforming to some of the guilty global intangible low tax income changes in the twenty seventeen Trump tax bill. So you know, we pulled that that income into the tax base, and we increased. Um, taxes on dividends earned abroad. When you add those together, it's you know it's, it's more than some states have done. It's it's less than we would like to to do than I would like to do. It's, it's more subject to a constitutional challenge. Actually, uh, worldwide combined reporting has been upheld by the Supreme Court twice in the last twenty years. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not giving up. I think that it's still it still would be possible for us to go back to looking at worldwide combined reporting.
2: Yeah. And Emily, what about you? I mean, how, how as a, a state lawmaker in, a, in another state, how did you view what was going on in Minnesota and how, how might this manifest in Vermont, I guess?
1: So we did a huge amount of corporate tax reform three years ago. And I have to be frank, it actually just didn't occur to me to do the global reporting at the time. And so once I heard about it, I was like, oh, of course, yes, we will, you know, let's take that on this year. Um, And it's funny in terms of sort of when people start paying attention who aren't deep in the weeds on this, the actual statute change is just deleting one word, right? Just like one little phrase, right?
2: Water's edge.
1: (laughs) Yes. And so, and corporate tax... Law is definitely one of the weedier pieces of tax law. And so, not all of my colleagues pay attention to it very closely. And so, it's even hard to get people to pay attention to really exciting stuff we're doing, right? Like, I feel as, you know, I think Representative Gomez has described so eloquently here, like, this is some of the most populist, nonpartisan work we could possibly be doing. We are holding corporations accountable so that, you know, everyone in this country can. Get their needs met, and so that small businesses are on a level playing field. Like, that feels very clear to me. You know, state of Bernie Sanders, lots of farmers, all of that. I really like, so I want people to pay attention to this as we're doing it because it's exciting. And I'm aware that, like, it's just two words, so it's possible we could get really far along and no one would notice. Vermont's not a state that hosts a lot, doesn't have the headquarters of many multinational corporations. And when we change our tax law, we're a tiny state, so it doesn't actually cost most companies that much money when we do it. Um, And so I feel hopeful about, you know, maybe your chances of being able to test out something this year.
2: And I'm wondering for both of you too, um, short of worldwide combined reporting, (laughs) are there other kinds of um, uh, tax code modifications of the corporate tax code that you can think of that that states might implement uh, short of this that would help um, clear up that tax leakage problem?
1: I think any of the steps um, related to combined re- reporting make a big difference. You know, um, Joyce to Finnegan, eighty twenty rule, all of like it. All all of the terms for it are so also abstract and meaningless to really like any normal person. But I think any of that cleanup to make sure that you're treating subsidiaries of a corporation as a whole makes a really
3: big difference. I have some folks in my state who are urging us to look at switching back to multi-factor apportionment, which people feel is is in some ways, you know, a, a better way to, to get kind of like, you know, a more accurate picture of the activity in the state that should be taxed. Uh, we have a couple of kind of corporate giveaway uh, tax credits that we could certainly take a look at. You know, we have a research and development credit. Most of it goes to you know, like IBM sued us a few years ago and got 12 or 15 million out of it. It kind of goes to corporations that would already be doing those activities, and you know, pays them to do it here. We're always trying to, you know, to to do what we can as states to respond to what we see. The tax avoidance strategies that we see um, corporations engaging in that we're able to address at the state level, you know, because obviously when you when you uncouple from federal tax policy, then it creates you know administrative and filing complication for ratepayers, and so you all kind of have to weigh all of those things out.
1: We also implemented, um, really significantly changed corporate minimum structure a couple years ago, and I think that also made a really big difference. We lowered the minimum payment for the sort of the minimum threshold and significantly increased the top bracket, and I think that made a really big difference.
2: How do you see the debate over worldwide combined reporting sort of manifesting in your states? Will you have specific bills or, or will it be discussion or what?
1: I'm hoping to attach language to our miscellaneous tax bill, probably not have a standalone bill on it. And I imagine it will probably get quite far along before there's um, much discussion of it, except for the administrative concerns, which I think um, are real. And I want to make sure that I'm not placing an undue burden on you know the folks who work for our state government because they
3: work hard and they do a good job.
2: And what about Minnesota? Or it's or is it still worldwide well,
3: like, combined reporting is still like in the mix. Because we did do the guilty conformity, uh, those are sort of mutually exclusive. So you, we would have to repeal what we did with guilty in order to implement worldwide combined reporting. And, you know, as Emily was kind of talking about, the rhythm of like a biennial legislative term is sort of like there's maybe not as much enthusiasm for doing bold tax, bold tax policy in the second year. And so I don't expect that we're going to like, as we did last year, like passing a omnibus tax bill that includes worldwide combined reporting in 2024. You know, it's certainly part of the conversation. And the reality is that we're in most states are in a, you know, have been in a, in a surplus territory for the last couple of years and the COVID money is running out and some of the, you know, increased collections that we saw in income and corporate taxes because of the the rich made a trillion dollars out of the stock market during COVID. Um, that's not like happening in the next couple of years. And so, you know, we could be looking at a different budgetary situation.
0: That was Aisha Gomez, a state lawmaker from Minnesota, and Emily Kornheiser, a lawmaker from Vermont, speaking with Michael Bologna. And that's it for today's podcast. You can find up-to-the-minute news and latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax was produced by myself, David Schultz. Benjamin Freed was our editor from Washington. I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening.
1: In a global tax landscape that changes by the day, It's what you don't know that can leave you exposed. At Bloomberg Tax, we provide market-leading intelligence and practical applications to help tax professionals work smarter, faster, and more accurately. Our solutions provide the insights you need for game-changing outcomes. To revolutionize your performance in real time, the difference is Bloomberg Tax. Learn more at pro.bloombergtax.com.